Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. All right. We're live. We're cranking. We're rocking. And I'm stoked to introduce our guest today. He is a marketing leader, a growth executive. We're going to talk about growth. Yeah, all about it. He's all about the strategy. He's an advisor. He loves mentorship. Uh, he's a passionate speaker. When you hear him talk, he knows what he knows, and he tells you what he believes in. I love it because we're going to smash some things today. Uh, he's the chief growth officer at Integrate. Scott Vaughn, how are you, sir? Hey, he's doing very well. Thanks. All things considered and good spirits, good mood and, and fired up. You're, you've got me uh, pumped up with all yeah. your ideas and thoughts. You got my brain turning. I know, man. I mean, we got TP and food in the house. A brain <laughs> next turns to marketing, you know? It's like the yeah. pyramid of, of human needs, right? You've got, you know, TP, food, then it's like marketing strategy. It's what it comes up in my head. There's a redefined Maslow's hierarchy, I think. Yes, yes, times. yes. It's a new yeah. version, 3.0, uh, 2020 <laughs> version. Um, well, here's the deal. It's our marketing leadership series, and 
really with a, a very specific twist into the ABM side of things. A lot of people are talking about it. I even got made fun of for not knowing as much as I should know about it. And I just wanted to pick your brain on this topic. So here is this. This is an imaginary Thor's hammer because the real one is back at the office. And so go ahead, take that. That's Thor's hammer. Hang on, I got it. Got it? Hey, you picked it up. No problem. You passed the first test. So <laughs> smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, just kind of set the record straight once and for all. Yeah, well, when it comes to account-based marketing, this has always been my take. Uh, ABM is really not a strategy. Um, what? If, if, if ABM is going to be- ABMers just rolled over in there, not graves yet. Well, I, I think it's the M part and it's the account base. It's, it's, it's a different mindset. I think from observing doing our own work over the last five years and watching, you know, large enterprises go through this process. Casey, we, you know, like your organization, we have a front seat, ringside seat, front seat of the roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. We're watching hundreds of these teams. And what you find out pretty quickly that if account-based um, strategy is not based around sales, marketing, customer success, and product, it, it really has a hard time of scaling and succeeding because ABM al alone today, but for most companies is, um, you know, marketing to target accounts. And there's nothing wrong with that at yeah, all. True. You know, that, that's, that's an okay strategy and a plan, but ABM on, it, on its own really sits on an island and, what we saw or can see when people do it, they put all the chips on on ABM, on the, especially in the demand gen world, oh, yeah. and their pipeline dries pretty quickly. So it really is- Really? A, so a, they, they, you put all the chips on black, or yep. 32, yep. and you spin the dice, or you roll the roulette on ABM, and, and you, what, how does, it dries up? Damn. Well, what, what happens is in marketing, if you're going to lead this and you're going to go from, hey, I'm going to go to an ideal customer profile, persona-based alone, yeah. and you're going to move all the chips to the center of the table and say, we're going to go for account-based marketing, like anything, you have to warm up that relationship. You have to introduce yourself. We know all the steps uh, a company and a buyer goes through in their own customer and buyer journey. So you really have to prime the pump before you go all in with it. And mm -hmm. like any good strategy, I know this is not rocket science. You have to do your testing on your messaging. Do you have the right target accounts? All of those things. But if I'm going to pick it back up again, uh, where companies I think can get off course on this and, and we've seen it enough and we've made our own mistakes is ABM's our strategy. And when I hear that, I, I cringe because, um, and then I go, okay, let's get underneath the hood. Let's break down what that means. Because if you're going to go for an account-based strategy, it has to be a go-to-market. It has to go through the entire uh, buyer journey, which means it has to go along your entire sales, marketing, and customer process within your company in order to really pay off and to scale. Um, so and, sorry, and that's where we miss yeah. a lot. So we're missing on the demand gen side as well as the go-to-market as well as the customer? Or is it because it's just siloed like an ABM? It's like a siloed? That's exactly what okay. happens. Okay. If it's ABM marketing only, uh, that marketing could be doing a kick-ass job right. of identifying engaging accounts and you're all fired up and, and then, but the process isn't connected to that account and customer journey for each individual account right. and the buying group within. Or if it's not connected internally through your marketing, sales, and customer success process to really make that pay off. And it, it. 
that that matters. It, it doesn't matter in the beginning as much because you probably may see some lift. Yeah. Or if you go all in, what you're going to do is you're going to find early lift, but then it's going to fall off a cliff. The, tell me about the cliff. Is that specifically on getting more people in the pipeline? Is that the problem? Yeah, because it takes about? a while, right? If you're going to shift yeah. strategies, you can't let go of the leads and the companies that you've been working on or that you have in the pipeline. You have to do your testing. You have to see if that's going to work. Is your messaging right? Is your content? Is your follow-up um, are you going to use SDRs or are they going to go right to the account teams in sales? Um, how, what role does marketing play versus sales versus customer success? It, there's a set of decisions and strategic framework and components that need to be made in all that area. I've said many times and there's no you know, breakthrough here, but the main thing is account-based work is just really good B2B sales and marketing. Mm. It's, it's done well. Wait, now, What's that? Who, who said that? Many people have Many said people. that. Everest. Yeah, okay. this is not something that is rocket science from, from, from me, but listening and watching and observing and doing, what you quickly find out is that account-based marketing that was supposed to add into sales was really one-to-one, one-to-a-few, which was going after, these are our three big, just must-have accounts this year, I'm going to put marketing people on a lot of one-to-one account. Mm. I'm going to work that account with a salesperson or right. one to a few. That's for marketing. That's what the idea behind ABM, we turned it in. We being the collective B2B marketing industry, sure. turned yeah. it into marketing to accounts and that was ABM too. And so, Hey, we have a great ABM advertising product and we have a ability to target and validate, you know, at integrate. We think we do a great job. Yeah. But being clear on those strategies really makes a difference in your outcomes and also setting expectations with your C-level, your CRO, your CMO, really getting all that aligned. It's, it's really important. This makes sense. If you were to – so it sounds like the M is the, is the tricky one in that ABM sequence. If you were to rename this and also have like key tenets for your disciples to follow – when it came to ABM, what, what would you call it? And what would be just the key things you want addressed? So I think it's an account bait. We're going to move to an account based go to market model. Okay. Um, and that can be holistically, or that can be for these segments or this geo, or, you know, that can scale and expand depending on the number of products, and business Got units it. and so all A-B- those things. GTMM. Is that our new, I'm not a- trying to create any acronyms. <laughs> Marketing is, should be thrown under the bus because I, I, I probably am guilty of doing that too much. But <laughs> it's the general concept, I think, and the construct right. underneath that if you can get your go-to-market strategy right, then that really helps. Then you have alignment in the functions that are going to be critical. You know which accounts or dynamically which accounts get fed into that program. It's holistic in the sense that it's not just about targeting and demand gen, but it's about what that follow-up is, how that data is connected um, within your system so that you have a full view of the account, full view of engagement, what products or or solutions maybe they've already bought. Maybe they have a perception of your company, but not of this particular product. Right. That's why, uh, Casey, really to do it right, you can step into it, but when you get to a full role, you need a go-to-market strategy around account-based and at the end of the day, it's good B2B marketing and sales, and it's another form of precision targeting and segmentation. 
The challenge is when you go to do it, a lot of our systems and infrastructure were built more around um, just automating siloed and one-off processes. They're not really set to share that level of data right. and to have the data models and framework so that it's actionable by marketing that sales also understands. Sales is feeding that back to marketing that it's being sold, uh, fed to customer success because customer success may be responsible for expansion in this account. I need to know what they already have and what their people are looking at. And that's what I mean about more holistic um, in terms of a strategy uh, versus just top of funnel demand gen and we're going to go out and target accounts. I hope right. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things on that. Um, one, the go-to-market. Is the go-to-market focus, is that the priming the pump that you were talking about earlier? Is that what you need to do before ABM or before you yeah. throw yourself every time to the wolves? In, yeah, yeah, every time in marketing, Casey. I think if you don't have a go-to-market strategy that's signed off, by the main stakeholders in you really can get yourself into trouble because then you start going off and we get back into everybody's on a one-off trail and you have mm. silos not just in your message and your approach to market but the resulting silos underneath with all the data and leads that you're generating and then your account information isn't right and then you know we get to a situation like we're in today with covid and how important is segmentation right now Right. Not want to be sent. Everybody who did not work on their segmentation inside their database, shit, am I sending to uh, mm -hmm. airlines or healthcare or, gosh, hospitality or is it government or, yeah. you know, you really have to be prescriptive. It's best if you can do it all the time, but today you could really mess up your business um, and spend a lot of waste and efficiency and even push customers further or prospects further away if that's not right. So this is all underneath go to market. And that's why all the way down through your data model, your tech systems and how that data is gathered and how it's accessed and how it's visualized. Uh, reporting, yes, but also to be activated and acted on appropriately. Um, yeah, that makes sense. You know, go to market, GTM, this concept, I get, I think it's, uh, I think it kind of gets uh, under either understated or overstated, but and then missed like they missed. what is it to you how do you what is it what does a sound go-to-market strategy look like and how did you get it yeah a great question Casey and you know because before I answer that I just want to say it's very easy for us b2b marketers um, guilty as charged to get so excited about a new strategy in general yeah and you know you We're guys go maybe you maybe we'll you guys you got to brand it you got to have a campaign you got to buy some new technology Yep. Right? Am I Campaign right? Campaign tracking. We'll make sure the yeah, reporting's all set up. Yep. But a go-to-market is that next level up to okay. look at your, your, you know, it's running marketing like a business. Um, and what is your overall strategy and game plan, um, starting with who in which markets and which buyers within those markets, competitive differentiation, strategic positioning, can we win in this market? total addressable market. How big is that market? How much is it going to grow over those next years? So that has to be set um, as a marketing and as a just even a revenue discipline, a good business discipline yeah. before you can get into the next layer, which is, okay, we're going to do an account-based strategy. We're going to do 
uh, ICP and persona. And you can do all of them, by the way. You don't have to just pick one. Yeah. It might be that you have a parallel effort at a set of named accounts. So this is where it gets interesting. But I think we all got very excited in B2B four or five years ago because, hey, we don't want to just be the people who generate MQLs and chuck them over a wall, <laughs> marketing qualified leads. Right. You know, we all have the same freaking formula right now. We uh, generate a lead. We put it into nurture using this thing called marketing automation that we all believe is going to make our revenue marketer. <laughs> sure. And we all have the same formula. So the buyers know what's coming. Here comes my cadence, yeah. my email nurture track. Everybody knows. Ah, uh, all from SDR. So we yeah. got to blow this thing up. Okay. I'm getting off on another track and passion, but that is something we have to to break. So going back to go to market strategy, really yep. making sure that it's aligned with the business, the business and market opportunity, that there is differentiated competitive positioning um, that you have available. And then it comes down to, okay, now what's our strategy and what's the best approach? Is it an account-based approach? Is it ideal customer profile with the right persona set? Is it certain vertical industries? And then you start making decisions underneath that. And then it gets to things like, okay, what is going to be the infrastructure and the data model to support that? Yeah. And then it gets into, okay, now it's messaging and campaigns and all the creative stuff to get the engagement and, and get the plan in place. I love doing this podcast because I'm exposed to things I might not have been exposed to as a marketer. Um, planning, like some legit serious level thought before pulling the trigger on a campaign. I think sometimes we get in that tactical mindset where it's like, get the campaign out the door. They're like, why did we send that in the first place? Or go get this yeah. content created. And you're like, why did I create that? Things like, you know, you said marketing like a business, like take a step back, a business that has a business plan or just even a quarterly plan. You're thinking, what do we want to accomplish? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? Who are the competitors? How, you know, how much could we grow? What's the market that, look that's like? That is the best sense. advice yeah. Yeah, to, to marketers today. You're a business person first, a marketer second. Um, the more you have that business acumen and understanding, I think the better decisions you can make. Um, because if you get too excited about the opportunity too quick or in marketing, what do we default to? Yeah. Campaigns, creative, content. Uh, and then, you know, this last several years, maybe we also get excited and go out and buy some new technology. And now we got a tool set that's, you know, we're a little bit drunk on technology. We've been yeah. overserved and et cetera. So these things can happen. But if, if we're not aligned with the go-to-market model and the strategy, that's where we get in trouble. Yeah. And, and by the way, it doesn't have to be perfect and take six months. It can be an agile sure. framework that you start, you know, here and build out. This is not a call to stop. I mean, integrates in the middle of that now, um, really aggressively. And so we put some stuff out in market already that we thought, uh, based on some early research, was right. And we're fine-tuning it and building it. We're doing some higher-level campaigns before we get to very specific persona-based messaging. And, and I see that work very well because you're also able to test and adjust along the way. But it's all being done within a go-to-market. You know, this is good stuff. Um, what, what, what about finding your, I, you know, the whole concept of like targeting your ideal customer profile? They're like, go get them. And then sometimes what you end up with is like, well, who are they anyways? Let's just target everybody. You know, it's like we, you want to narrow it down, but it takes some guts to narrow it down and, you know, sure niche does. down. 
So you just end up targeting everyone. And is it just, is it just industry or is it just size or is it that simple or is there more to it? I think there's, there's, I think you've got a lot of it, but there's more, I think there's more to it. The first thing that I've learned is you can do a quick lap around. The quick lap around is people who know that space doing interviews mm. on online today, the phone, whatever, you, you know, obviously when you can, you want to sit down face to face, but even just gathering intelligence, right. And having conversations about helping understand the market and peel some of the, the layers back of what's happening. You also want to be able to, to, as you get to hone in to understand that market, or if you're creating a market, you want to identify what I call the influencers. Mm, okay. So do all the research, go meet with your ideal customer profile as you home in who you think that is. I'm blown away on LinkedIn. Um, if you're targeting someone in IT, if you said, you know what, our company, I'm the marketing person, I'm responsible for being able to identify the right solution yeah. Can I get 15 minutes and ask you about your world, your day? I'm so much openness to that. And you can't pitch. There's no sales call. There's, this is not a product focus group. Yeah. It's really about them and their world to understand it. By oh, doing wow. that work, by doing the work of, of really talking to the sphere of stakeholders within that market space or burgeoning market state space, you can help. And then along the way, especially for younger companies, what we've done is, is identify the 50 influencers or so. I'm using 50, making up a number. Okay, yeah. Who are the, the people who have a voice yeah. that people listen to. Um, you may not agree with them all, but they have the <laughs> ear of the ideal customer profile and the personas. And begin to meet with them and build a relationship and introduction. Follow them on social. Yeah. Share their content engage them in banter and discussion so that your company gets known in that circle and they know where you, who you are and what you're positioned around. It's really good old fashioned marketing. Some would call it, you know, public relations, influencer relations. Some of those could be the analysts. Some of them could be media and blogger types. Mm -hmm. Many of them are people like yourself who have a network of customers where you're the trusted advisor who's going in right. to advise them on you know their marketing and their strategy right or even their technology okay interesting interesting yeah it, it sounds like it, there's just a, it's just a little little bit of work you just got to have some conversations with people and then to your point yeah. not everyone is going to auto reject you unless you're using that classic linkedin line of i know how to get you lots of leads but if you accept that lead invitation you are the lead they're getting you're not having yeah. a conversation uh, but yeah well, just nice marketing is Marketing's about in this thing, marketing's about doing the research and the homework as much about the execution. Uh, I like that. Uh, and you know, it, it's so important and marketers are often so under pressure to get campaigns out or to get right. content out because we're all trained that way. Like that's what marketing does. We do campaigns and we do programs and right. so you may need to do some of that work while you're building this. So you don't want to wait, but you really need to think about that go to market strategy in the pieces and do the research and the homework. Again, not, don't research to death. Right. <laughs> spending months and months, you can have an agile model that you're building into it and it's informing the system. So the system gets smarter mm. if you're getting the inputs. System that keeps getting smarter. You know, I remember you mentioned earlier about blowing something up and um, I know we had talked a little bit about tech and they're kind of like, pushing their 
you know, I, I guess we're all guilty of that in some way, but like oftentimes we can over tech something and then we're just getting strategy from tech vendors who are just trying to sell shit. Um, and this sort of industry we're in where it's like, buy something, it'll solve all your problems. You, is that, what do you want to blow up? What are we doing the, the current system? Is it the MQLs and the, like, what well, is the, sta the status quo that needs to get disrupted? Well, there's a cause and effect here, Casey. And the yeah. way I view this is, and I can tell you my own personal story. So in 2009, I thought I was a, I was a CMO, but I was really a brand and a product oriented CMO. Um, I wasn't a revenue marketer, so to speak. Right. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I bought the vision when marketing automation came around. It wasn't just CRM. Marketing was going to have its own tool set. But my point is that what you do is you bought the dream. And the dream yeah. was that, um, you know, in the early days, we went from the logo people, the brochure people, the trade show people mm -hmm. to something. This was a very big leap that could be meaningful. We would have data. We could actually have business impact and show marketing contribution. Well, the challenge is if you fast forward to this decade of modern marketing, what we became is we automated a bunch of processes uh, that were good, that made us more efficient, that give us MarTech gave us uh, data that gave us ability to measure things. So that, that all positive, high five for all the stuff that we've been able to do, but it's also put us in a corner. Interesting. So marketing automation, first of all, look at the lack of innovation in our industry right now. All the yeah. big guys have pretty much been bought by larger companies. True. Salesforce, Adobe, um, they've, uh, Oracle, they've acquired the main platforms. That's yeah. fine. They're great companies. They're great brands to do business with but also your innovation slows. So a bunch of one-off tools come off to solve a bunch, automate a bunch of little processes or fix things. And so what you're left with is this kind of conglomeration of disconnected, mm. siloed stuff that doesn't integrate, even with some incredibly smart marketing operations people, thank God that function exists today, who are doing some yeoman's work of yeah. putting it all together, or firms like yourself, but it's still a challenge. And so that's the phase we're coming out of. So think about that. That's our model right now. And we've built these beautiful demand engines. Well, the model is about to flip. So where that was all built around individual leads and yeah. generating a marketing qualified lead and, and nurturing it. Everybody has the same nurturing formula. Mm. Three-step cadence, call, automate. Mm. So to break through what we're seeing is a lot of the leading B2B um, marketing teams are thinking about how do I move from this marketing and sales funnel mentality to account and buyer journeys? How do I move from the lead quantity goals that are forcing me maybe to do some things that aren't so good for my business to the quality uh, pipeline and opportunity mindset? Make no mistake, I'm, I'm, when I say this, it's a big leap. It's not easy, and I don't proclaim to have the, the formula to do it, but this is the era we're gonna go through in this next five to 10 years of making these shifts. In order to do that, you can't rely just on marketing automation. I don't mean marketing automation, the tools, generally just automating processes. Yeah. That's why you kind of see this dawn of orchestration that you're seeing the, the companies and the providers because what orchestration promises is that there will be intelligence that you can start to connect the data the systems, the process, the programs. And I'm going to say promise because we're at the early stages of it. Right. And there's no one vendor who's going to come down from the mountain to show you how it all to do it. It's going to 
really the innovation is going to need to come from inside these B2B sales and marketing teams and working with firms like yours and really being able to do it. So this is a shift that, that's underway. It's not in all the headlines yet, right. but I get to go into these conference rooms and we're doing it ourselves and everything's being reimagined around the customer journey, around the account journey. Um, and that's a change. Is it, 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 is it a change? Is, is it, what more is it than, you know, leads, there are a bunch of leads in an account. You know, you may gather a bunch of leads, just enough to stick them together. Yeah. What really has to change or are we adding just a layer on top of it to make it, you know, sound Yeah, better? so much has to change, including internally, but let's, let's take external. Yeah. So the way, uh, the way most companies buy, not a small individual buyer, but we get into high growth, mid-sized enterprise organizations. Sure. There's a buying group or a buying committee, whatever you want to call it. There's a set of professionals that have roles and functions that are going to be involved in a purchase, especially if it's something, either a large purchase or complex technology or complex purchase yeah. um, or a longer purchase. Any of those things, factors are going to drive more of that. So you have to reorient your systems, your data model, your programs around that. Think about this, Casey. When we do a campaign or a program, oh, we have a new product launch. We're going to do a program. What are yeah. the odds of being on the buying process for your either ICP or target accounts? Right. That doesn't work. It's just, it's, it's, you're not optimizing. Right. You're hitting them. They're on your list. Who's to say that they're, they're looking? They're probably not. You're on Maybe. your time, not their time. Yeah. You're on your timeline or the CEO wants to hold it around your user conference. Right. So you're going to hold this thing until it launches and all your programs are going to go out after, which is fine, which is great. I'm not bashing it. Sure. Because we do that. But it's the opposite. How can I get synchronized with accounts and with key buyers yep. on their rhythm? And to do that, our systems aren't built to do that today. Our processes no. aren't built to do that. They're built to do campaigns and programs. Um, they're built to do really good uh, content creation and putting it out in market. And we can measure things. Again, I'm high-fiving. I feel like I was part of a generation of modern marketing that moved the needle forward. Sure. All I'm doing is looking a bit out the windshield and telescope yeah. to see you can see how this will play out much like we did in 2009 where we had a dream of being a revenue marketer and, and contributing. And we did. Right. But this, this is the next thing that, that we have to get to if marketing is going to continue to have credibility to be run like a business and have the business impact that's expected. And it will take some change. It'll take some change to uh, process. It'll take change to data models, to roles, um, I just did a webcast with the, the incredible team at B2B uh, at Tableau uh, cool. in B2B marketing. Yeah. And they admirably have won so many awards for all their modern marketing and all their, and they're blowing it up. They have, yeah. the, they have an Amazon leader at the top and they want to be customer obsessed. So they're moving to journey orchestration and they're mm. moving, th their titles are going to be different. They're not going to all be demand gen. They're going to be, you know, customer orchestration person who's looking at accounts and customer levels and uh, I applaud their efforts. So they're kind of reimagining what that world looks like going forward. And they know they're not going to flip a switch in a quarter or even a year. It's going to be a multi-year agile move into this right. effort. 
And to me, that's what gets interesting. That's why, um, you know, MarTech's kind of boring right now. The lack <laughs> right. of innovation is, is underwhelming. Um, again, remember, I'm CGO for a company that's in the marketing technology <laughs> space. Um, hey, well, we, we think call, we're doing we great stuff at the man names. cloud. Yeah, that's totally yeah, fine. Well, no, which yeah. as an industry as a Come whole. Come on, marketing. Yeah, yeah. We can, we're going to see some breakthroughs. Okay. You're already seeing it in a set of new vendors, new suppliers who are coming out, more of this orchestration thinking, more data connected. And it's not a bash against the old. It's just a, a very logical uh, business cycle that's happening in front of us. And when your two most exciting things in, in B2B marketing are, oh, we now own the you know, sales development reps. We own the inside team or we got For the conversational decade. marketing right. and a chat bot. Those are all good things. Again, I want to make sure I'm clear. Those are, could be key ingredients in your sure. strategy uh, to fulfill against your go-to-market, but these are not breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. So the breakthrough is not going to probably come from a single technology. It's going to become from the way you configure it, the way you put the pieces together to reimagine against the way accounts and, and prospects and customers are going to absorb information, make decisions, and buy and continue to buy. That's why right. I keep going back to the account and customer journey of where things are headed. Right. Um, and that has to align to your go-to-market. So mm -hmm. to bring it full circle. That's the way I view what's happening now and, and why I'm so excited, why I'm still at Integrate and why I'm in the MarTech space because I think this next generation of the next year or two is going to be real exciting to see some breakthrough happen as these pieces get assembled. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's almost like the, what is it, the smoke before the flame type thing. We got to talk about it. We got to have conferences about it, but eventually the tech catches up and then you've got some, some upstarts just like messing up the whole thing. Everyone else is like, what? You're and just that's changing a good everything. Thing. You want yeah. the tech to catch up. You don't want to try to force the tech in right. strategy, then technology. Well, right. some other steps in between, but then technology can come in and really help you scale and do the job. But you should have that understanding of with your people and with your teams of what to do and how to do it. Right. And then the technology comes in and scales it and, and does the orchestration. And that's my subtlety between automation and orchestration. Right. Um, there's some art and science to that. So that's why um, when you get me going on these topics, I get fired up because I can see what's happened before and yep. you can see it kind of playing out now. And I hope to be one of the people that is um, an enabler, an activist, uh, even a coach or inspiration along the way with, with uh, the B2B marketing community and, and certainly for anybody um, who's working with Integrate. How, how do you operate now as a marketer? I know you're great at mentoring. We'll talk more about that. But how, how do you operate now? You don't have the, the orchestrations working itself out. You're, you have automation in your platforms now. Yeah. The platform plays. You know, there's some other apps you could shop around for. Um, what's your like, where do you point people? Where do they start if they're in this situation? Well, I, I think it goes back to the go-to-market. Go-to-market, you know, yeah, yeah. So here, here's, here's something I learned from a gentleman named Bob Evans who runs cloudwars.co. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I, cloud is going to dominate the world. I know that's not a headline, but it's only 5% penetration. And you know how big of revenues and impact only they're five, having huh? on our society? Only 5%. Wow. You see, it's scary. 
But anyway, I give this credit to Bob because he's the one who put it in my head many years yeah. ago. And what he said is the questions you need to answer are what business are you actually in? What business do your customers think you're in? And what business do your customers are your customers going to need you to be in? That drives then your go-to-market strategy. So that's at the business level, drives your go-to-market strategy that then drives, okay, how are we going to approach this? And that's where the innovation and change can start to happen inside B2B marketing teams. And it happens with, okay, we're going to either blow up, reimagine, evolve, depends on where you kind of are, and start to tear down some of those walls and rethink what's going to be needed and what that model looks like. And like anything, you do a gap analysis. How would I get from here to here? What's the timeline? What's the resources? And again, today with agile development and so many, you know, uh, program and project management resources that we have available to us, if you have the leadership and you have the commitment, you can build that program over time. And I realize as I say this, many companies are still at the point, can I just freaking get the leads into Marketo? Yeah. I, I realize right. that's a real thing. And, and there's good news, there's solutions out there for it. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a solution for that part. You want to go all the way up here? You want to start here? Sure. We, you know, companies can, your partners, your best partners can take you on a journey. And sometimes you need to get, you know, your team, Casey, and your two or three best partners, your suppliers, your vendors in tech or your data or your agency or whatever, and put them together in a room and say, okay, this is our vision. Help me build a path and a map to get there. Wow. So you got to use all your resources that you can um, to try to really take it from uh, vision in, in the business plan into, into what you really need to do. And, and so that's a process you go through. And I know that's probably not rocket science for many of your listeners, but it can get overwhelming, but it's mm -hmm. very doable um, if you have the grit and tenacity and, and, the, and the guts to do it. Right, right. You know, the buying committees is an interesting, interesting concept because I think for certain companies, when you sell to the larger, larger groups, it's, it's table stakes. You're used to it. Business as usual, uh, BAU. It's like, it's part of business. Right. But if you're selling to the smaller business, it is kind of just a lead usually, um, or just a decision maker, or maybe it's simpler, but maybe not. I don't know. It, it, do we kind of, are we like a split personality if we sell to a couple different size companies in the No, not at no? all. Not at all. It, it gets more difficult because yeah. you have to have teams dedicated to it. Your data models have to be set up to accommodate it as well as your 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 infrastructure which okay. to me includes data tech and process so yeah it's it, very doable look at microsoft microsoft true one of the most successful companies in the world and on fire right now and look at the strata they have across their segments true. their vertical markets um salesforce another great example i, I use the tech companies because they're top of mind right now in yeah. our world but um yeah they're two great customer of ours, but if it can totally be done, mm -hmm. but making those decisions is our decisions that you, know, you have to make and you have to build your systems and process and data models around that. Right. And I think the nuances is there's some relabeling here. Let's not try to fool anybody. Sure. Buying groups are basically the personas that make up the people that are going to determine your fate. They're going to say yeah. yes, no. Right. So all the basic you know, ideal customer profile work, the basic persona work, 
even if you're going after accounts, all still has to be done. Mm -hmm. That doesn't go away. It right. just gets reframed in how it's, how you go to market, um, how you measure it, um, and making sure you have the systems and data models to accommodate it. And of course, I sometimes skip this, but the people, whether they're inside your, your organization or working with firms like yours, or where you can bring in some expertise to support periods of time or overtime to help you um, do some heavy lifting or, or uh, as my friend Patrice says, GSD, get shit done. Because yep. you're going to need those people while you're maybe configuring and, and sketching and getting things right. You may need some people to bring in to make sure your campaigns are in market and you're, you're driving business and you're yeah. making you're making revenue happen as you make this transformation or transition. Right. Moving forward. I think Dan Sullivan has this thing, you know, who, not how, right. Who, who can I put in this role or who can I bring into this room to help us figure out the solution as opposed to how are we going to, how are we going to fix this? Well, how are we going to do this? Yeah, um, I know Dan and yeah, it's, that's why well, you, know you, know, yeah. you, know, you know, Dan, that's cool. Yeah. So it's, that's wise advice that, yeah. um, that you can have all the greatest plans in the world, but if you don't have the knowledge and the people who have the grit, tenacity to, and guts to do it, um, you know, just when, when putting in Eloqua back in 2009, I made it a business case for cost efficiency. I tried to make something up because I knew we needed to make this change. And I made so many mistakes. I shoved it in. That sure. You would be appalled. Like you'd be like, Oh, but it's what Paul anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in the name, right? Sure, I sure, sure. Shoved in Salesforce too. To well, I know someone is not going to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, culture change, and uh, again, yeah. I use we use all of them today. Where we we run on Adobe Marketo, and totally. we were at HubSpot before that here at Integrate, and we integrate with all of the the companies, um, Microsoft Dynamics and Salesforce and Pardot. Pardot's a big uh, part of our our solution. Uh, that we connect to. Um, I use those because of those, that transformational time, it feels like that. That's why I'm using that example from a decade ago. Right. We're, we're at that pivotal time. You can feel that there's a, a sea change that is happening in, in uh, virtual conference room whiteboards right now. And a lot of sketch diagrams. I know we're, we're cooped up. I think it, it'll probably speed things up because we'll get out of this, this lockdown here. I'll be like, okay, let's innovate. We can't, you don't have time. Well, when you're to be forced into a corner, Casey, yeah. when you're forced into a corner, I actually think that's where the best work happens. Agreed. So it's like when you cram for a test when you're in, in school, right? And oh, yeah. You know what? I, I've got seven hours. I better get it in my brain and get it now. I mean, I hate to say it, but deadlines get people moving. They do. They, you know, certain, certain types and personalities, deadlines are the things that fire them up. And whether they realize it or not, they probably like that energy and they're kind of just feeding off it. So it's a good, it's a good point. Um, who are you? How did, how did you become the sage that I've had a pleasure of chatting with for the oh, last Oh, you got an eye roll on that. Sage, oh, I, don't know. I, I, I sage. just was in a conversation. We don't use guru, Jedi. If someone does oh, that, I you, run. You are, you're like baby Yoda here. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll uh, be the Mandalorian. You, have you seen that yet? Disney plus? No, no, no. I, really I, I, I have not seen that. I know what it is, <laughs> of course, but I'm not a subject matter expert on this particular topic. It's, I asked them the other day how many times they'd seen Frozen, not realizing they don't have any kids. And like, and yeah, my kids are like that age around that. So I've seen it like seven times, you know, and um, 
Yeah, well, but I'm, yeah, a, I'm a godparent and have godparent? many kids in my world, so I get to see all of it. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not the four seven timer. I'm the person who gets to swoop in and have fun with it. And, right. And, uh, and then bail after that. And, and <laughs> I enjoy that a lot. I love Yeah. Kids. Well, take us back. Take us back in time. Like, you know, what's it, what's it like growing up little Scott? You know, where, where, where did you grow up? And Well, I, I grew up in Southern California and um, was a pretty good student in, you know, played sports and pretty normal that way. What sports? Uh, baseball and football. And baseball nice. was my sport. Nice. You can't and, tell how tall people are on, on podcasts. Are you, are you like roll, crushing people? With your football size, or no, uh, that was not <laughs> the case. It was grit, tenacity. It goes back all Got those it. things in hard, hard work. work. Yeah, uh, and and so as you go through that process, and I went to college, um, like most people, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And the first few years, fumbled around, and I really enjoy writing. I know okay. that I, I I think I'm a decent writer, but I know how to express. And someone turned me on to say, you know what, you should go into marketing and into communications. And Do you I remember who it was that told you that? I, as a professor, I had in a writing class mm. and just said, you know what? You've got the energy and the enthusiasm and what it takes because marketing is a multidiscipline. So I took a class in communications and I just kept going and I got a degree. And, and uh, during my senior year, I had a paid internship at a city where I was on the communications team. And so doing newsletters and they were had this huge development. So I got to do the photography and slideshows yeah. and wow. you know, literally build newsletters and, you know, all the design and all of those. So I really had good practical experience by the time I graduated. And um, when I graduated, I, I fell into this job. You see, it's, there's a roll up door in the San Fernando Valley. Um, San Fernando Valley is also where the, sorry, but the porn capital, same city, oh. same roll up garages. Hello. There's a small tech company of 22 people. And I interviewed and was there all day. And it was what kind of tech? Huh? It was in the early days of the <laughs> internet connectivity. Okay. Which is ironic to the. To so it was like time. a movie hosting platform. No, or? no, no, none of that. <laughs> it was boring. Uh, networking connectivity and got it. Routers and hubs in the early, wow. early days of that. But my point is, I didn't know crap about tech. Sure. But what I had an appreciation for, and I was a marketing communications manager and ultimately became a director of marketing over four years. The company just went from 20 to 400 people, um, sold for a billion dollars and just got the taste of tech and the taste of it. But during that process, I was going out and being a supportive on sales calls. And I would get so frustrated, like, why are they telling them that? That's not so... Next job, I picked up a bag and took a sales role. Um, a little bit yeah. of the, the dollars was enticing. Sure. To see what salespeople did. But I also felt like if I was going to be a good marketer and a good communicator, I know how important the sales partnership is. I had to learn how to do that. So I was a salesperson and sales manager and a global um, sales VP over a 10-year period, which was phenomenal. I learned a ton, really got even more customer-centric. That was one of my hallmarks in marketing and if i could and, just stop you for a second sure. you know i've definitely heard that that kind of experience can be powerful i i sold tuxedos for a little bit to get my hands dirty what kind of takeaways did you get putting yourself other than a swat swat paycheck that you can like throw in the bank and be like yo but like yeah. what, what kind of 
I mean, it makes you a stronger marketer. Do you, do you know, can you express how? Yeah. So your communications matters. Okay. Um, right message, right time, um, right audience. Um, because here in those early days, especially marketing, what was air cover at best, there wasn't demand engines that were feeding you hand raisers or qualified leads. Right. It was also the psyche, the tenacity and grit. I go back to those things that it takes to be on the front line. You had such an appreciation for putting yourself out there every day to reach to yeah. reaching out five or six times to engage and you know it's the right thing. Once that engagement happens, I loved the consultative approach. Yeah. I love the working with customers and whiteboards and brainstorming. That right. was my style and I, I could also do that, learn to do it from great mentors and then teach and pass that on where you become a valued either extension of their team or a valued advisor um, because, you know, you could challenge the, the norm. Right. The best so salespeople do that, right? Not everyone does that, but when you get no. consultative like that, it just, it's, it's powerful. I was a, I was a marketer in the salesperson's, you know, in a suit during those days. Okay, you know, we're better, what it was. better than sales than sales is. <laughs> it's just what it, you are, who you are at your core and you're so shaped by what you, sure. you learn, but I was able to apply both of those. <laughs> um, I think I was fairly successful. I got, you know, promoted fairly regularly and, Things got better, a couple salesperson a year, a couple of times. But my, my passion, Casey, I really missed the marketing discipline and I missed the strategy. I missed right. the business strategy. You, it's really hard to have in the sales. Even as a, as a senior salesperson, you have to have put so much attention on infrastructure and, and, and all of those plays. You really do miss the business side of it. So I went back into marketing. And I, I, I was marketing as a hybrid role between being a sales and kicking off a product line within a company. And, um, and then I moved into running a services business around marketing and sales and, and in a business unit. So I had a P&L and which I had experience in. So it just kept building from there. And then I put it all together and became a, a CMO and I've worked for 8,000 person company. I was employee number three, employee 22, employee 582, you know, different wow. size companies. And I, I learned a lot. And uh, the last CMO gig before integrate, what I learned is I wanted to go work at a formative company. I mm. wanted to work at a company where I could come in right before product market fit, drive the go to market strategy, be the catalyst within the organization that defines the business strategy, working with my colleagues, of course, wow. not yeah. being solo, but that's what I like doing. And sometimes it takes you a while in your career to figure that out, what, what you like to do, maybe what you're good at, but all of those jungle gym exercises and all those different roles between marketing and sales and services and being a product person again, or a product leader again, kind of brings you back. Um, interesting. I joined Integrate at a time where we had the best concept and idea, I thought, but it was raw and it wasn't mm. developed and it wasn't even close to what we were going to market. And shaping that through this last five years and watching the company grow and really create something meaningful and, and work with significant enterprise customers has been rewarding. Wow. So that's how I kind of moved through my career. It was definitely, as Cheryl Sandberg would say, a, a jungle gym. I, and I think it's really valuable if you like that to get that experience. I think you're a better CMO if you have that business experience, the sales and marketing. Mm. Now I have gaps too, but I can usually get people either around me or on the team that can lead really 
specific functions. Like I would say my product marketing is average at best. Sure. Um, just because that's not my area of passion. Done it, even done the role. But um, you kind of learn that and then you build great people around yeah. you in a team that, you know, makes everybody better by bringing it together. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hypothetical for you. Uh, I may or may not have a time machine in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, you can't use it now because of COVID. But uh, let's say, you know, this thing, if you wear a mask and you disinfect, you, mask, you might be able to wear it. Might be able to wear it. You come visit, you go back in time, mm -hmm. and you visit yourself. And you've just graduated college or sometime around there, you're, you're kind of starting your career. What would you tell yourself? Almost like you're mentoring yourself. What kind of things would you advise yourself to, to do or not do? Well, uh, I'll tell you what I, because this is what human beings do. I'm going to tell you what I wish I would have done, and then I'll tell you what I did that I think actually played out well. Trust my gut. Yeah. I didn't always have the confidence, even though in my gut it felt right, I didn't have the confidence to always follow that. And I, I don't think I took enough risks in those early days, or mm. maybe even the mid days. Maybe the early days I did because I was too stupid or um, – Naive is probably a better word than stupid to know. And I, I think that I would have taken more risks and I would have been probably more aggressive um, to, to think through that it's, it's all going to be okay. Life's going to go on. As long as you're a good person, you work hard, um, you know, all of those things, you know, cultural values, you're going to be in a great place. Right. Um, so that's the one thing I look back and say, gosh, I kind of wish – it's like what your grandparents tell you if you ever sit down. If you ever really want to know what you should do, go ask them because they'll tell you, oh, man, and they'll roll their eyes right yeah. at you and just say, oh, yeah, I could have done this, this <laughs> and that because hindsight, and, and that's valuable um, to do. What I think that the, some of the things that I did right that may be a little bit more natural or easy for me, but I worked on them, is I worked on relationships the whole time. Yeah. So my, my relationships and my roles today are genuine. I really enjoy learning from and working with other people. And I keep those relationships. I covet them. I, I try to feed them as best I can. Uh, yeah. I have responsibilities to my family and my job and my company, but I try to feed them and be there because that has been not just rewarding, but over time that, that payback comes mm cases and and so that's one thing I did very early in my career I was a um, you know I, I don't want to use the word networker because it's much deeper than that sure um, and and the other thing I learned is being a connector and a catalyst when people look at something and don't want to do it I was the first to go I'll take it wow and the reason is look at your world that you think of when Pardot came out uh, who knows Pardot? Everybody look around like uh, we draw straws. <laughs> Someone who said, uh, I, I see like I could do it. Look at the careers that were built. Sure. That were yeah. just catapulted. And, and frankly, the awards and rewards in terms of cash. Sure. And we built a whole generation of people around that. Well, it's the same idea. Mm. When someone says like, well, I don't know how to do it. Take the opportunity to take that task. I, didn't say, I can't say I always did it, but I've run customer success. I've run services. I've run product because I said, I got it. And even uh, though I may not have been the best in class at it or right. certified and, you know, went to school for fill in the blank. Sure. 
a business acumen and an understanding of people and how organizations work and, and being a student of the market, mm-hmm. um, which is another hallmark that I push so hard is being a student of the market, not a guru, not a Jedi, but a constant curious student will go miles in, in helping you. And, and uh, again, these are things you learn as you navigate through. I still have the same enthusiasm. You mm. probably ask my boss, our CEO, Jeremy, if uh, Scott, I get, he'll just say, you got to calm him down a little bit because <laughs> I'll get excited about something and I'll, I'm willing to do the work and put in the energy if I believe the outcome is there for people and, and for the company. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, it seems risks is interesting. You know, we say that you know, when we're younger, we take more risks. And I guess we do in some ways, but in, in our career, sometimes we're not, you know, sometimes no. we haven't developed the confidence yet to, to go and okay, try to go raise that capital. See what happens. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to Great do that. Example. Or, yeah. You know, just Great example. launch that app. Or even in the marketing world, I've never done B2C and you want to go do that. That's cool. it's all building. It. As long yeah. as you keep your relationships, mm. your values, your, you know, Odds are you're going to be just fine and, and great things are going to happen. But if you don't look around the corner, I don't mean for another job. I mean, <laughs> for expand your responsibilities, expand what's possible. You're going to sit in place. And then if you like it, that's fine. But you're going to be, oh, you know, that's the person who does the, you know, the marketing automation platform, or that's the person who does. They only write. We don't let them do anything. Else. Yeah, we don't. They, they box themselves into a corner. Yeah, it's true. And I'm not downplaying it. If that's your passion and that's what you want to do, be great at it. Right. But there's another realm that all those things are building blocks to pick you up, um, to make you better, to make everyone around you ready better, excuse me, and then the company you're working for better. So right. it, it's all kind of lifts up to that bigger place. I think the challenge is there too. I think when we start out, we think of the challenges in the tech and it, there are challenges in tech, but, but by and large, it's like, you know, it's more executing on that go to market that you've been talking about, but the, yeah. the real unknowns, if you really boil it up to the go to market, like, I don't even know you come in, you want the, you came into a product that was formative. It was sort of, where are we? And you're helping them find like, that's, that's hard. That's really hard. Cause it's like, yeah. what are the customers want? I don't know. I guess we have to talk to them. What, what can we do? I don't know. I guess we have to talk to them too. Perfectly like, said. By yeah. The way. It's so in, it's so up in the air. No idea. Um, that's but really that's where confidence comes in Casey. That's where I think over time, the more, if you have that earlier and I see it in people and I just, some people don't, I encourage it. I go, I love that you're thinking this way. I really appreciate that you're using data and your gut you're yeah. combining them for the best because data is still extremely important i want to make sure that's clear yeah but i think there's times where you know you've got to figure out what it is that makes you passionate that makes you good definitely lead with your strengths but try to fill in those weaknesses to get to the place that you want to get to and and right. listen to people for an honest assessment of where you are and ask people candidly and you know, don't get defensive, just take it. Um, I was uh, a new executive and I got sent to a week long at a Wharton leadership class. And so this kid who went to state school in in Southern California goes off to Wharton for a week and you get shipped off. And the first thing they do is you're, they do a 360 degree review. Your your bosses, the people that work for you. 
and that is the first session you come in on a Sunday and Monday morning you sit down and they read it to you and it's like oh man do I have a lot of work to do so they, wow, they so break they like, you down they break all. you down they get all this information in that you don't know about it yet and no then and then they kind of they don't ease into it they just like throw the cut bucket of ice water on you and, and you're thinking wow. I'm, I'm a pretty good leader I'm and then you realize I have a lot to work on and then they do that purposefully <laughs> So then they build you up all week and give you a new set of tools and skills. Sure. But it, it's, it's, that's the type of thing if you get access to, don't downplay it. Yeah. Because it's more thinking you can put in your arsenal. It's more experiences that you can bring from, and just even the people in the room um, are going to maybe give you some ideas and there'll be connections and people you can fall back on. And when you get into a situation, mm. hey, I, I, I've never handled compliance issues so deep or I've never right. handled a, a rogue employee or a team that's been remote in the Philippines and I've never you can call back on people to shortcut and to hack right you have a playbook here uh, can I ask can I get 10 minutes and take you through or can I buy you lunch and we'll walk through my scenario and can you give me some advice every time you can hack or short sorry let me take hack out of there every time you can <laughs> shortcut or accelerate something fantastic if you can hack it to get through it that's cool too but being able to accelerate it by uh, mm. putting in some shortcuts and using knowledge is is pretty powerful yeah and you know the challenges you're talking about anything that's difficult you know, leadership definitely difficult um you know, the, the challenge is where the confidence comes from though right like doing something you don't get confidence for doing something easy you're like oh yeah i could do that in my sleep when you do something you like, i took over this and i had no idea how to do it and it's working or it's, yeah, yeah well, that's wow. it. you need to put yourself in those positions. Yeah. And, and, and that's where that confidence does come in, but also, you know, keep good people around you. Yeah, for you sure. Know the old phrase of uh, the lifeline when you need it or yep. uh, phone a friend, uh, those are all yep. play into this. You don't get great by yourself. I mean, that's, I know that's not rocket science, but you learn that very quickly. You're only as good as the team. Oftentimes, the market that you're in, um, mm -hmm. another thing I learned, Casey, is try to find markets that have a little tailwind behind them. Mm. <laughs> it, it helps smooth out a lot of bumps. Um, not that it's easy or perfect or anything, but if you get into markets that are in their early formative stage um, and you don't, can't always get it, you don't always hit the timing, or you have something like this that throws a major wrench into life, uh, like mm -hmm. we're going through with with COVID-19 and, and the coronavirus and, you know, pandemic, mm -hmm. you can't predict those things. You've got to be, you know, flexible, but the more you can set yourself up now, you're smarter. At first it's like, I want to work with this team, which I did, but now if I can work with this team in this market with some tailwind behind it to catapult it, boy, uh, with budget and opportunity, you can do a lot more. You can experiment more. You can uh, usually make, you know, bigger, bets versus having to yeah uh, I, i've had a lot of teardown i've had to do in my career in roles where we had to reduce headcount by 20 percent, and it's all part of being in business so i'm not saying that that's not right but that's not what i i like to build things now i've done a lot yeah. of teardown restructuring you always have to do a little bit of it but i don't want to make that a full-time job and to your point you know be smart when you're looking around and choose choose the the race that's being raced right now as opposed to you know, it's the, it's the cool down lap, <laughs> you right. know, pick, go where yes. the excitement is. And, and then yes. you write that kind of, you know, well, if you don't, 
you don't haven't quite figured all the strategies yet it's okay because there's bubbling excitement happening and you can learn stuff along the way and it's not going to kill you or the company immediately that's right and you also have to know when you're lucky and when you're good and be honest with yourself you get into the right market at the right time and these you watch someone come in and say, well, I built, you know, I don't know who it is, Zoom. I built Zoom, you know, and you're going, you, you, you immediately go, okay, this person clearly, they're one of right. how, they, how you articulate your role, your contributions at any company. I use Zoom because it's obviously at this time, a, not just a hockey stick, but reinvented the whole mm-hmm. idea of online communication. So um, pick any company in any market that's like that, and you can mm-hmm. find it. You also see that you realize sometimes you're just better to be lucky than good, and you got to know what your ratio is. Yeah. And to your point, have some humility to be the student of the market and not yeah. think – you don't need to know everything. Just be constantly learning from the market, and you don't have to ever be wrong because you're just learning as a student. Tell me about mentorship. I, I know it's a, bi- a big part of, and you, you mentioned, you know, staying in touch with people. Um, are these formal mentoring relationships or tell me there's about some, what's going some, on in there? That way, I, I don't have a mentoring business or anything <laughs> like that. Mentoring.com. Here's the landing page. <laughs> go there now. Uh, let me see, think about my ICP and go to markets. No, right. um, I just enjoy it. I, I just get tremendous um, joy and excitement out of seeing people succeed and seeing people break through. And I know how much I was um, catapulted by people that took the time to pull me aside and tell me I was a, you know, less than perfect and here's mm. what you can do. And other times that people where I would be down or maybe not sure, and they would pump me up mm. and I would be able to get through and navigate through something or, or arm me with information and ideas so I could find my path. Right. Uh, either a career move or even a business situation that you needed to navigate. So I'm just a big believer in making myself available to, to people to have that conversation. I'm one point of view, um, as you yeah. see here, and you've graciously invited me on to share my, um, my experiences, but I listen to podcasts too, because I listen to a wide variety. So you can kind of get um, different ideas uh, about that. And, I, I live a lot in the B2B marketing world because I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. the people that are in it. So, um, but that's how I think about mentorship. When you're doing mentorship, do you have any underlying questions you're trying to help them solve or, you know, what, what kind of goals do you have in your head for the person you're, you're, you're talking to? Well, I look for cues. So I, I talk about kind of where are you right now and tell me your narrative. Uh, I use the word narrative um, a fair amount in, the, in this. I like that. And tell me how you, what you did for me, Casey. How'd you get here? Right. What was your path? Yeah. Um, and then try to, you know, kind of talk about as you look forward, is there a path that you have created in your mind? Is there not an end goal, but is there kind of next steps? And try to unlock that. Not try to tell somebody, mm. but just try to get them to visualize it and maybe even sketch it, what it looks like. And and, and one, of, one of my things that I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at at this point that I really enjoy is I can look out a year or two and work backwards. Right. That's my value to an organization or to people. That's really it's valuable. Just, yeah. It's a strength I have. Now, I may not be able to tell you every single detail to get there. That's, I'm not, um, I was an operator for a long time, but the details of every specific piece, that's not as interesting to me at this stage in my career. It right. was at points. 
because I played that role. And, but today, when you're mentoring, you really want to try to help somebody, to me, build their narrative and their story and also look forward to what that narrative might be and either connect them with people that may have taken that similar path or come to the fork in the road or whatever it might be and or develop plan. What do you want to work on then? Um, mm -hmm. what, are you, what do you think are your strengths? If you ask your last two bosses or your last two peers, what would they say? And really start to get them thinking about that um, in that path. And, and sometimes, frankly, Casey, you just need to be there to listen. Yeah. Someone to let them think yeah. through why you're here and you could just, you know, nod your head. And, oh, that's great. Yeah. Because, yeah, I do. Sometimes you, right? you kind of got yeah. your thoughts in your head. You just got to get them out. You need a sounding board. Yeah. Sounding board. Yeah. So I think it's a really important role. I, I think some of it has to do with, with experience and age. You've, you've gone through some things and, 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 um, you can provide some, you know, at least a compass or some ideas um, through the process. Right. How, how do some of these relationships start? Because I got to kind of imagine there's people listening that one would love to have a mentor or two would love to be a mentor. And is it sort of this awkward, like, Hey, you want me to mentor you? Or, Hey, can you mentor me? Like, <laughs> you know, it's that awkward moment on a date. Should we have our first kiss? Or, oh my gosh. Now, like, how do we actually, how, how did we get here in mentoring to right? dates and kissing? Dates and kissing. Uh, hey. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not like that at all. It's, it's a little bit different here because in the B2B marketing world or B2B in general, in the business world, there's two angles. I, I look at it from, okay. Um, one, my passion in my own personal life comes through. So everybody who's got kids that are in high school that are looking to go into college or college graduates, somehow they get connected to me and they'll go, go talk to Scott. He's really passionate about cool. mentoring and business and all these curious and all these markets and he's a marketing guy. So yeah. that's one angle of group of people. And I enjoy that. I enjoy um, getting to know. And I, by the way, I'm, I, every, some people are a little worried. I'm in completely energized by this generation, young generation coming mm -hmm. up and through. It's, to me, it's magical. I, I just see so much good and different thinking. Um, oh, and then there's another, pull, you just pull up TikTok and you, you realize how exciting this generation is. Well, there's <laughs> both sides of that now, Casey. See, you always take us down a bad path. We're going down a good path. <laughs> Am I doing that? I'm off the road that. here. <laughs> no, but in general, and then there's another piece of it in B2B uh, marketing, just, because I do like to write and put points of view out, yeah. I do speak at conferences. I'm usually pretty vocal on my point of view on things. People reach out to you or you mm. meet people. And I get to work with a lot of our customers who have incredibly bright people. So if I see that, I offer, hey, would you, anytime you want to chat or anytime, it's, it's pretty logical. Okay. Um, and I'm a, I'm a compare and share notes kind of person. I genuinely go in to understand, to learn. Um, and if I can give back or share a point yeah. of view I've learned, like we're doing here, right. if that's what you asked me for, that's what I'm going to do. Right. And, I get uh, it. So it doesn't have to be some awkward conversation. It's just, you know, hey, if you're ever interested, I'm happy to share some of the things I've learned uh, yeah. with you. Or, hey, and they happen yeah. quite naturally. It's, 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 you know, I think a lot more straightforward than that. And maybe I need to think about it more. Now you, now you got me in here. So. I'm actually <laughs> questioning myself. Um, but no, it's, that's how I think about it. Well, I think it's important. And the idea of a coach, I think I was chatting with my dad. He said, this is sort of a development of the times perhaps is that 
seems like a lot of a lot more people have coaches, mentors, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, I think myself at some given times I've had like three at once or four different things, you know, one for business and one for, um, you know, trying to learn triathlons or whatever it might be at the time where you just have someone who's like guiding you and sharing that wisdom of watch out for this. Cause this will happen. Um, or just being a sounding board to your point. It, it's so I, helpful I think to have coaches some... are incredibly important yeah. and the, not using them as a crutch, but using them as right. an accelerator, uh, a sounding right. board. Um, when I get a trainer for, for workouts, yeah, I go exponentially better. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, not rocket science. Hundred percent. And, and so yeah. I go, I go back and forth to to make sure also that my mental health and pushing myself is there too. But um, coming out of this, guess what I'm going to be getting? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's absolutely. time. It's time to yeah. go in and and do a check and call bullshit on myself on a few things For that sure. maybe I thought I was doing but not really. Right. And to get strong in those areas that um, for my own health and so. It's the same analogy. It's it's really something that I don't know. It just gravitated towards. It's always been there, but it's accelerated a lot in the last uh, handful of years. Yeah, I think it's almost like the modern day counseling too. Just sometimes just you need someone to talk to, you know. Um, and it's about whatever you you mentioned, you know, like business or career or working out. I, I'm fascinated. Um, I was in a, a I'll say a session now. I sound like a therapist myself but <laughs> well yeah we did a we just did a check-in and it was awesome and uh, this person is in demand gym but also really um, strong in really into food huh and in in the ingredients and in, in how and I I couldn't be more polar opposite you could not find me in a kitchen <laughs> my wife would laugh at you to death like well don't let them anywhere around it I, right. I don't have that but I'm interested and I'm curious, yeah. I watch all the ingredients and how it's being done. And so you see this other side. So you encourage this person, why aren't you writing on those blogs? Right. You're an incredible writer. So now you've got, hey, I've got a good career. I can take this path, but you may find your passion being you know, in marketing or in communications or in, in a food or food ingredients or in that yeah. industry. I'm not saying that's the path it'll take, right. but if you put yourself out there, speaking back to risk and why not follow that passion? Why not contribute? You have so much to contribute and it's an area that you care about. So these are the balancing acts that, you know, or the, the kind of conversations you can have just by being a sounding board and being there. Right. Yeah. And it, it's so true. It's, it's spotting those things where people light up, you know, and I've had people say, you know what, whenever you say that, like when I talk about podcasts, I just go, wow, like just like what I did with Pardot, Pardot. Right. And they're like, ah, podcasting is so cool. They're like, wow, you really light up. And it's helpful to have that feedback, not just to get it out of off your chest, but have someone mention, hey, by the way, in this case, you mentioned these recipes and, and wow, you, this is a thing, like, yeah, the science of it was what you, fascinating. You, yeah. Are you following up on any of this? Like what? You, yeah. Go. Would it be but fun? It's like to you. Do this you all drew day? me in. You drew yeah. me in. You, your yeah. passion's very clear. You, you want to share with your peers, your community, you know, ideas and inspirations from people that are that that are trying to drive it. And I, right. I think that's really awesome and noble. And you like this form. You're good at it. I like to write. I like to express myself that way. I, sure. I like to speak. But I mean, their podcasts are your thing. You're passionate about it. Um, I love participating in but I'm probably not your radio host. 
Sure. <laughs> or your sure. podcast host. Yeah. I'm not that. That's not my. I love to speak. I love to do workshops and groups and interactivity. Yeah. Um, you know, so everybody has their their thing that they like to do or passionate about, and follow it. Follow I, it. Follow it. Follow it. I, I totally get that. You like to ask and answer tough questions. You know, like go to market side. It's like, uh, well, I don't know. These are tough questions, but you want to find that solution. It's interesting. I want to keep digging at it. And yeah. I've learned over time that it's usually not a quick answer. It usually takes time and in, in, in months and years to, to get really to, to the really big ones. To discipline. And all yeah. That. And yeah. I'm certainly not. Uh, and just to be clear for, I'm not claiming to cure anything meaningful like a disease or any. I'm in marketing, so let's be clear <laughs> on what the tough challenge in right. is. There's no Bill Gates moment here. Um, right. That, so, but I do take it just as seriously because I know it helps create business value and, and jobs and communities and things yeah. that are also important to our society, and I, I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, for sure. You know, we, we bumped into the same thing at our company. One of our values is we care, and, you know, we, we get really specific. We're like, look, you may be working with a client to sell sprockets and in yay like it's hard to get behind a sprocket as like something you really care about it's not like we're in the peace corps and you're right. saving some youth from the jungle or something like i don't know but but it's not so much about that company that sells sprockets but it's about the person at that company that you're working with you know yeah, and like true. how cool would it be if they got a raise or they got a promotion because of the work we did together like how cool would that be yeah. And then they're like, thank you. Like that kind of relationship, that's where, what's worth it. So you're right. Whatever it is, it's finding that what thing. What the sprocket that, creates, it could be creating a rocket that's saving true. lives or, you know, exploring space or. Right. Or um, goes into a ventilator, with, you know? Yes. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. Right. And right. you got to, you got to kind of know where you are in the, in the um, supply chain, so to speak, in the middle of. That'll be another podcast. Right. Right, right, exactly. Oh, man, well, this has been awesome. Where can people connect with you? If they want to learn how to be a better mentor or maybe get some mentorship or get introduced or just pick your brain on marketing, what's a good Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. And, yeah. uh, that's, I'm pretty uh, present there and okay. lots of conversations and all that good stuff. And it's Scott A. Vaughn, and it's the same thing. And it's V-A-U-G-H-A-N um, on the little twist at the end. And um, same thing on Twitter, although I'm not active on Twitter these days as I was a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, simply because I'm a little getting a little bit more long form uh, idea. And, you know, but your, but your TikTok videos are off the hook, man. I got to tell you. Easy. I'm a big fan. Easy. You can big tell I'm not built for video. <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually, you know, I'll, I just got, I just started checking it out because I'm like, okay. I got an hour to kill. It's coronavirus time. We all do. Let's not fool anybody that you can't get sucked down into it very quickly. Oh, yeah. There's this thing Especially called – Especially like, oh, I'm going to yeah. finish that project. Then before long, you stay at your desk, you know, working at home like we all are. And before long, 45 <laughs> minutes have gone by and go, well, okay, I probably need to eject from the seat here and uh, get to more important matters. Right, right. Well, there's some, there's some fun on there. I get it. It's uh, – uh, but, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. That's for sure. Um, okay. So cool. We've got some ways to connect with you. People will reach out. Don't be goofy. When you reach out people, write a message in the LinkedIn connection and whatnot. So you're not just one of those random invites. Um, but Scott, this has been fun. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me. And thanks for, uh, I love the questions and your, your breadth and your 
I love that you can free flow and bring it back in. It really makes for a meaningful conversation. It was a little bit therapeutic for me too. You got Yay. me thinking about some things. I was writing some notes along the way, awesome. that, uh, some things to work on. Awesome. Well, that's great. And we'll have to have you back on here for your next session, you know, in a quarter or two. Once we get out of this whole Corona thing, how, what's the market look like? How we, how can we tackle I it? I would love to do that. In all seriousness, Casey, even if you want to bring a few of us on, I, cool. I'm really trying to keep a pulse and help everybody and share information. And I don't think anyone has a, uh, um, a true understanding of Agreed. what we're in, but I think sharing information and being there is going to be really important over the next coming weeks, months, and even quarters. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And for those of you listening, if you learned something, which I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, then share this with someone. Be a thought leader to one person, seven people, 42 people, 89 people, like whatever, just get it out and, and share and be that person that's now getting information in other people's hands. And, and again, Scott, fantastic. Uh, love hanging out with you. Good times, man. Thank you, Casey. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate you having me and uh, everybody stay uh, healthy and sane. We will. Healthy, healthy, happy, and safe. And this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one. 